Have you ever heard of scrupulosity? This is a mental health concern that is impacting more Latter-day Saints than you think. Scrupulosity is religious obsessive compulsive disorder, where individuals are hyper obsessed about their worthiness and repentance. Sam Baxter, a former bishop, sat down with me to talk about his lifelong struggle with scrupulosity and how he got treatment. You can watch this interview for free in the Mentally Healthy Saints library by going to leadingsaints.org 14. This gets you 14 days, free access to Sam Baxter's interview about scrupulosity and 25 plus other interviews about ministering to those who struggle with mental health. The content is priceless for leaders. So visit leadingsaints.org 14 for free access. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. Welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, this is. Uh, I've gotten a few recommendations for people uh, from people to that I should bring you into the Leading Saints podcast and interview you. And uh, finally, they can stop emailing because we've done it. So <laughs> it's such a pleasure and an honor to be here. Cool. Well, maybe just give us a little bit about your background. I'm actually um, a service missionary at the church headquarters in the disability services department under priesthood and family. And um, I uh, am the disability specialist for the um, American Fork East State. And uh, the first one, and then I was the first disability specialist for about nine years in the Valencia, California state. Interesting. And so I'd love to share with you a little bit about the calling of disability specialist. It's brand new in the church. Yeah. When you say brand new, like how, how, how new are we talking here? It's, I think about nine years old. Okay. But it's right in the Bishop's handbook. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of training online you can do. It can be hard. Um, it, it can be hard because people don't know to come to the disability specialist because often there isn't a disability specialist yet. Right. Yeah, and that's hopefully with this discussion and you going through some some helpful principles and best practices. Hopefully, uh, state presidencies, bishoprics can feel encouraged to uh, to call someone to this. And now, is it a state calling, or is the idea to have a stake and a ward disability yes. specialist? Yes, the idea okay. is to have a stake um, disability specialist, and then have ward disability specialists in every ward. Okay, and that's what I have here in American Fork East State, and it's the best. You work hand in hand in what you do. Um, let me tell you a little bit about myself okay. and um, how I came to this work. Um, the um, 
I have two kids on the spectrum with autism, and their names are Kirsten and Kevin. And my husband, Alan, and I, um, you know, we raised them in the church. And my husband was on location three quarters of the year. So I, as a convert, um, it, uh, it was sometimes a stumble for me to fit into the church. And um, with uh, a little bit of a square hole um, family in a round hole world. Hmm. And um, so uh, my kids are now adults. They're very high functioning. And uh, my son works for Disney World. And oh, wow. my daughter's an esthetician. And so they're very high functioning now, but they weren't at first. Neither of them had any language until they were about four years old. Wow. And so, um, you know, raising kids it is hard for everyone. But um, and we so appreciated every teacher and leader we had in the church, and for all the great um, things they did with us. We would always sit down with the leaders at the or the teachers at the beginning of the um, year, and we would tell them all about um, our kids and let them know that we support them, and um, we talk about strategies. Um, we keep in touch with them throughout the year and, you know, we make sure we stay in close touch about, um, their expectations and ideas for how it would work with our kids. And we were so grateful that they were there to help. Um, but as I mentioned, sometimes things went smoothly at activities and classes and sometimes not so much. Hmm. Um, for an example of a good story, we had my son when he was about three, he would, he loved Godzilla and he would always do this Godzilla imitation. <laughs> and, um, in the, in the, in his class, it was primary class. He didn't understand the English. And so it was very, um, it wasn't, uh, didn't keep, it didn't engage his interest. And so, um, we had the teacher, we talked to the teacher and we said, listen, sometimes he does like a Godzilla thing. And uh, sure enough, the first class, he went to the corner of the room and did a Godzilla thing and during the whole class. <laughs> and um, we asked, you know, how's that going? Is he too much of a distraction? And the teacher said, no, he just does his Godzilla thing and we know he's listening. And the other kids are used to him. So they would say, well, that's just Kevin. And, um, and so they, he, he was included, fully included in classes at church before he was ever included in classes uh, for school. Wow. And so that was amazing. Um, one example of a harder situation was that when my son was in um, Young Men, he hadn't had a lot of away experiences of sleepovers at people's houses. Um, often when you have autism, you struggle with um, making any computer friends. And so he... Uh, hadn't really had like a best friend that would invite him over and he, he didn't have um, too many family members to take to invite him over so but he wanted to go to youth conference because he wanted to um, you know sort of be able to have those away experiences so he could hopefully serve a mission one day and um, we were trying to think you know at youth conference it's there's strange food, there's a strange uh, bathroom, there's strange sleeping, strange bed. And so we try to think of what would be a good thing to anchor him. And we came up with a friend of his, uh, Hunter Bartley. We wanted to, maybe if he could room with Hunter Bartley, then um, that would be his rock. And so I called the, you know, there, there wasn't a disability specialist. So I called the um, guy who was in charge of youth conference, and he was in my ward. Hmm. And I asked him, hey, I explained the situation about not many away experiences. He wanted to prepare for his mission. And could he just room with a friend, Hunter Bartley, that would probably be a good accommodation for him. And my friend said, the guy said, oh, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, but I can't do it. And we said, well, why not? And he said, because if I do it for you, I have to do it for everyone. Oh. Hmm. And so that made me think, that was an example of how we could have had a disability specialist and it could have made all the difference for us. Right. Because there were some there were some additional needs there that not everybody had, but exactly. that your, your child had. that's what right? a disability specialist does. It makes everyone feel welcomed and included in the gospel. 
yeah. matter what difficulties they face. Yeah, that's really helpful. Um, and and so, I mean, back then you were sort of as a parent, you, you without you know this formal calling, you're just sort of you just had to navigate it on your own and ask for favors and special permissions and things like that. And so this was the power of a disability specialist is to have an advocate, right? That you can go to and, uh, and talk through some of these things and make sure that whatever activity is going on, uh, that there'll be a, a place for everybody. Exactly. That there'll be a place for everyone. That is so well said. And, um, that's exactly what we do. Um, you know, the church as a service missionary, I've seen the church, uh, in the, Disability Services Department, I've seen the church do so many things and create so many innovations, pioneer programs to reach out to people um, that struggle. Uh, like they, we have state-of-the-art access to buildings now. We have church materials in various formats, um, ASL and descriptive audio, this kind of thing. We have mm -hmm. seminary that and institute programs that emphasize inclusion. Um, the churchofjesuschrist.org slash disabilities website is just a treasure trove of um, resources and goodies. Uh, Deseret Industries, they've created the vocational help program and um, the service missionary program for young people who um, maybe can't have that away experience, they can serve from home. And, um, you know, there's LDS uh, humanitarian services. And so we look at all of these things that the church has done worldwide to reach out to the one. And the you ask, what what did they do? What have they done on the ward and stake level? Mm -hmm. And the answer is they built the disability specialist conference. Yeah. And so um, so there's five things that a disability specialist does. Uh, they serve as a resource for stake and ward leaders and families and individuals. So what that means is like a family might move in that has uh, a, a child with Down syndrome or an adult with ADHD. And the leaders might ask, can you tell me a little bit about uh, that condition before we meet the family and um, or while situations are going on? And you also reach out to those families and see what their needs are, you know, hopefully that um, tell guide that they would get a good home and feel mm -hmm. um, just welcomed and uh, fully active. And then, um, so that's number one. Number two is we get to know and re reach out to families that are touched by disabilities. We research all of the members' disability-related questions and concerns. We identify meaningful ways to serve for those with disabilities. And of all the things that we do, I like this one the best. I've been involved in a lot of interfaith projects, mm -hmm. and this is the one that stands out that we need people that have, um, that are touched by different issues to have callings that lead us and we have to have them serve others. Of course, we lead and serve them and that's the expectation. But the key thing here is that um, we need people with any kind of need to be involved in leadership, always to grow spiritually and to reach out and serve. And the reason for that is that we know every person is um, born with every breath of perfection in the spirit. But the only difference is our physical bodies that we're born into. Mm -hmm. And so if those who struggle, if they don't um, lead others, then we miss out on their gifts and talents. And um, also the Savior's life was a life of service. And so um, how can anyone get to know the Savior if they're not serving? Yeah. And then the last thing we do is we identify community resources to help church members. So a lot of the times, you know, we're all volunteers and ward council meets and the they often need services that are outside the church. So you can call the disability specialist and the disability specialist will help find services that are outside of the church. For instance, we've helped with members uh, collect disability and sign up for that. Uh, school resources, we've gone to IEPs and helped with uh, families' needs in the school, helping brainstorm and find needs, um, answers to what they need. And uh, so this kind of thing. So we work with families, with individuals, and with leaders equally. Yeah. And we also work inside and outside of the church. We get to do a lot of missionary work. 
um, inviting those that aren't in the church to come on to our activities and let them know that they'll be welcomed and included fully. And so uh, that's pretty much what the calling does. Yeah. Love it. And, you know, one thing, and I'd like to maybe go through some different segments of the type, because there, there's a variety of everything from working with children, uh, mental disabilities, physical disabilities, elderly, and all these things. But so I, one thing that's jumped out at me when you said it is that um, often, I, I forget how exactly you put it, but often, you know, f- for children, they're going to, um, they're going to be engaging in a church class long before they engage in a school class, right? Where, and, and that's a whole nother uh, area to navigate for parents and family and whatnot. And so it's, that, that's helpful to realize that you may have parents who aren't, maybe aren't quite sure what their, their child needs because they've never done the classroom setting thing, right? It's like, well, my kid likes to pretend he's Godzilla and I don't know what that looks like in a classroom. In the living room, it's sort of okay most of the time, right? <laughs> no, definitely and there's a lot of things we do when we work with primaries. For instance, we can do teacher trainings about how to shake up your teaching style for alternative style learners. In primary, kids struggle with focus. And um, so anything that the teacher's busy, the teacher is a volunteer, so the teacher is going to concentrate on the spiritual lesson and having the kids um, feel um, touched during and hopefully learn some of the gospel. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, the emphasis in primary is having them feel the Lord's love through the experiences of the classes and the activities. And so what we can do is um, we can anything that causes a distraction or is a non-teaching aspect of primary that might be getting in the way of teaching and the kids feel the spirit, we can help them. Like mm-hmm. maybe we can get fidgets for the kids. Um, maybe they need to be, we can do an observation in the classroom and then we can make suggestions like maybe they need a room with more natural light or, um, we had some, uh, older kids in primary that where the girls were rolling their eyes and it made the teacher really uncomfortable. And, um, so what we did was we brought in paper, we brainstormed a bunch of ideas, we brought in paper and pens and had the kids draw the lesson as the teacher was teaching. Hmm. And so while the teacher was teaching, you know, you can't roll your eyes when your eyes are on your page. Yeah. And so, you know, all these things that we can do to adapt the situation are easy and almost always free. Yeah. And, and when you mention when you mention like training and whatnot, like there are does the church have specific resources that like if a disability specialist is called, like are there certain uh, lessons or things they can go through with if there is a specific need? There's a whole training online and there is um, a, uh, so you can watch videos and then we have access to all kinds of uh, introduction, um, you know, paperwork that you can read. Mm-hmm. Uh, that introduces the um, the different aspects of the calling. What do I do now that I'm called? Um, and also I help personally mentor uh, people from around the world who have just been called. And so I'll help them sort of guide them. And so we have various levels of support we give to disability specialists because that can be hard. You know, often a disability specialist is called and they've never done the calling before and there's nobody who's done it before them. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of SIGs are going to experience that. <laughs> it's it's new, but it's not really that new. And so hopefully, let's get with the program, folks. You know, <laughs> exactly. No, 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 no. But I'm so happy that you mentioned seniors. You know, seniors are so hard because they um they they get issues slowly. So maybe they don't think of themselves as someone who is hearing impaired, or they don't think of themselves as someone who has trouble with vision. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And so we love to help with seniors. And that works in the elders quorum and also relief society. Yeah. Well, let me, but before we jump, jump there, let me, I want, I have a few questions in the context of uh, primary and, and children. Um, Cause sometimes this, uh, this is maybe can feel like the, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, it's such early on in their life. And so they haven't maybe developed coping sh- strategies or uh, tactics to just help them adapt to an environment like a classroom. Right. And so, um, so I would imagine there's there's a lot to consider there. So a disability specialist may, I'm guessing, working with a primary presidency, 
maybe recommending, hey, this class since, uh, you know, Kevin's in this class, let's, uh, you may want to call an additional teacher. And, you know, here's some, here's some strategies of some fidgets he may need, or here's what to do during singing time if he suddenly wants to run circles around the room or things like that. Is that uh, what this interaction may look like? Yeah, sometimes the solution is to have somebody called as a, sort of a one-on-one -on -one helper, but it would be a class helper. Mm -hmm. So we're not singling out the individual that struggles. Right. And sometimes it's the parent, but most of the time it's another member. So sometimes you'll call two so that they can rotate going to, you know, adult classes every other week and help with the primary in that class uh, every other week. Hmm. And so, um, but, you know, I have had people with trepidation that were nervous to accept a calling like class aid. Yeah. But then once they get called, they stay in forever. Uh, they love it. It's one of their favorite callings. And yeah. so, um, no, but uh, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Talking about resources, we have another resource. We have a Facebook group and an Instagram. The Facebook group is called Disability Specialists, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So easy. And we have uh, all kinds of things posted in there. And disability specialists join and those that support the disabilities program that the church has. And we have um, people, they'll post scenarios they're having. Like they'll say, uh, we don't have building access for a wheelchair. How did you, who have one, get one? And uh, I used to have to respond when the Facebook group was new. We have about 4,000 members right now. And we're trying to reach out to everyone who's touched by a different issue. Um, and we um, post scenarios. And I used to have to answer them all. Uh, or I felt a, a need to answer them all. But now, mm -hmm. sometimes people will post something at night, and then in the morning, they'll have, you know, 20 responses. And <laughs> yeah. I wondered why that is, but we have members around the world that are disability specialists. Yep. So yep. that, our Facebook group um, is a crackerjack resource, Disability Specialists, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Cool. Yeah. And we'll link to all those in the, the show notes because uh, I'm in the, the Facebook group and uh, it's remarkable the the type of things that come up there. Um, you know, part of this, I, I, I wonder how much of a, of a struggle this is as far as like identifying the needs. Cause I think, you know, with maybe more severe autism or, you know, obviously a physical ailment that's obvious, um, is easy to identify, but is there any, any advice you'd give as far as if, if someone's just trying to identify, because I, I worry that some bishops or leaders are saying, oh, well, you know, we don't have any disabilities in our ward, so we probably don't need a disability specialist, right? What you hit on is that you don't have to have a diagnosed disability to work with us. Mm -hmm. You just have to have a need. Yeah. And um, we found that once people um, chat about it, everyone knows someone that could use some support. We act as extra ministering sisters and ministering brothers um, to families whose situations get complicated. And sometimes you're right, the disability or the issue they struggle with is visible, but sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. And so one strategy we use is constantly checking in with the leaders. We have the ward specialists go to ward council and I go to state council and we, we help with things like the track. We help with um, mm. maybe ministering matchups and just what, whatever the needs are of the wards and the stake, we try and jump in. And when you're in the council, you're part of the natural discussion. So you can chime in and say, hey, you know what? We have um, services in the community that can um, help seniors. Or we can say, you know what? I'd love to come into that classroom and do an observation and see if I can help. Or you say, I'd like to be another ministering sister to that family. You can say, I'd, I'd love to reach out to that family. Maybe they're new and mm -hmm. or yeah. maybe they're less active because they didn't feel like they were included. And so maybe you start out as their minister and then you explain. Um, another technique is I like to disclose to everyone that I'm a disability specialist and what a disability specialist does. And sometimes people think about it and then they will reach out to me later and say, I'm having this issue. Can you help? Yeah. Um, we also try and speak in church and we're working on speaking in state conference. 
And um, so that we're constantly reminding the leaders and the members that were there. Yeah, I'm sure it's even just as powerful to in the beginning of Sunday school or, you know, walking into elders corner release sign just saying, hey, FYI, I am the word disability specialist. And here's five things I focus on. And if I can be of service, help me and or, or reach out to me. And, uh, you know, that's two minutes uh, or less of their time. Uh, the class and now everybody's sort of aware, right? And sort of doing that on a regular basis can exactly everybody be aware. Exactly. Yeah. And then the more people reach out to you, the more comfortable you get with reaching out. Luckily, um, sometimes families are a little bit like, I don't really want to um, talk about it. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Our job as disability specialists is not to throw people through the door with their struggles. Our job is to bring them to the door and help them open it. And yeah. put your arm out and ex- invite them to come in. Right. Yeah. Is there, um, and I'm also thinking in the context of maybe a primary presidency is, has identified uh, one or two children in primary who are just overly disruptive, right? And it's not necessarily that there's a diagnosis there or disability, but just as they talk about it, say, hey, why don't we loop in the disability specialist? Not because yeah. there is an obvious disability, uh, but maybe there's a, a, yeah. a more subtle ADHD or ADD type of thing, right? Yep. Oh my gosh, Kurt, you have exactly hit on the kind of thing we love. Okay, um, cool. What we'll do is we'll reach out to the family and most families are receptive. Luckily, no one's run screaming from the church from a reach out, but you have to remember that the disability specialist is called and set apart to do this work. And so we prayerfully reach out to the family and if the family's not interested, we'll probably do a just a general class um, visit and we try and figure out ways to help the teacher, mm-hmm. to um, give them ideas. Sort of like I mentioned, we had um, some really struggling um, sunbeams. And, you know, they're the little ones and they run around. And so we just thought, well, maybe what we'll do is um, we, had, we had one member of the class that was really, really struggling, but other members, you know, it distracted them. And so what we did was we bought in a huge thing of goldfish. And as the teacher sat down with them and began to do the lesson and talk to the kids, they put out two pieces of goldfish for each kid. Mm -hmm. And so the kids were concentrating on the goldfish and getting that positive reinforcement. And um, slowly but surely through class, because there's no rule that says you have to give all the snack at the end of class. (laughs) Right. And so slowly but surely during the class, they'd give out two more goldfish and two more goldfish. And... Uh, that ended up working throughout the entire year. The kids loved that. The teacher yeah. loved that. And But we want to support. We are in charge of, we're directed to support the leaders as well as the individuals, as well as the um, families. Yeah. And so it's maybe the families, not, you know, at that point, which I totally understand, um, you know, getting diagnoses for my kids was, devastating and i i always you know am so sympathetic to people that are struggling um so you know i would never blame them for um not wanting work but we want to we want to support the teacher we want to support the situation yeah and so that's a we equally work with leaders teachers um individuals and families Right. And, and hopefully, I mean, before this type of uh, resource, I think there was a lot of primary teachers who just asked to be released because it was just too much for them to, you know, uh, Sundays were not a positive experience for them. Right. And they wanted to, it to be a positive experience. So um, any anything in, in, in the context of I, I would imagine sometimes people don't I don't know, they don't want to make a fuss out of their disability. They'd rather not. Uh, bring it up or they're afraid if they reach out to the disability specialist that more people will know. And then there's sort of this special project, you know, on Sundays or whatnot. Any, any examples come to mind in that, uh, around that topic? Uh, one thing I love that you've touched base on is the fact that you don't have to have a disability to um, specific disability to work with us. Yeah. And so we've had people with all kinds of issues and sometimes they're temporary, like people don't feel well and, they um, have trouble being consistent at church. They have trouble being consistent doing their calling. And so they'll reach out to us and they'll, they'll say, you know, um, that this is what they're struggling with. And they will consult with the leaders if they're comfortable. 
and make sure they have a calling where they can be, you know, supportive, but active in leading. Yeah. And so, but we have that a lot and you don't have to have a specific disability to work with us. You just have to have a need and everyone knows someone that has a need and everyone has needs. So the disability specialist is a little bit of a misnomer. Um, it is to include everyone. Yeah. And also, I want to make sure that I emphasize the point that you don't have to have a, um, you don't have to have any specific experience or background to be a disability specialist. Right. Anybody yeah. can be one. All you have to have is the desire to serve, which so many have. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think there's uh, definitely. I, I mean, I don't want to pigeonhole anybody in a specific calling, but there's just certain people who are just so. They just have a knack for being uh, patient and caring and present yeah. with people. And yeah. those people come to mind as, as uh, you know, leadership praise over, over this calling. Um, anything in, that we haven't mentioned in the context of adults with disabilities? Well, um, we work closely with the Relief Societies and the Elders Quorum Presidencies. And we find out about adults mostly in board council. And then, um, you know, one big issue is anxiety and depression you know the difficult sisters of anxiety and depression and um so that is the number one thing that we have had uh, mentioned to us so um again you know reaching out to the individuals sometimes we do um like right now we're working on a fifth sunday uh with a speaker who can share about anxiety and depression and um so we're we're Right now, we're brainstorming. What can we do with anxiety and depression? Yeah. But um, but we've had adults come to us. A lot of people have adult kids, uh, like as I do. And um, you know, the you're gonna consistently be in a situation where you know you can brainstorm and um, and help those. Uh, make sure that everyone has a calling. We have a young man in our ward that's amazing. And he has the calling of assisting the elders quorum president. We had um, with, you know, service and ministering, and that's been an amazing experience. We had a gentleman who had Down syndrome and, um, you know, an adult, and they called him to be, he loved numbers, but wasn't maybe that great at them. And so we called him to be a um, the state the ward called him to be the assistant executive secretary hmm. or clerk, and so what he did was he counted the people every Sunday. Oh, cool! And so you know what a public calling, what a, a, a great um, thing to have happen. And um, he would count the people, and then he just wasn't that great at numbers, though he loved them. So his dad was called with him, so he would count the people. And then his dad would count the people afterward and they would compare notes and decide on a number together. Cool. Yeah. And then this individual would report it to the um, member of the bishopric that was interested in the statistics. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, and then this way, everyone was noticed. Everyone who came was noticed and appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. Um, with adults, uh, I'm thinking in the context of um, of callings, and you, you touched on it just now. Is there um, anything else you'd mention as as far as you know? Sometimes it's easy to sort of move a name off the list of consideration just because of a specific disability, but uh, maybe there's more of a, a reason to lean into that and say, well, maybe if we did call this person to this role, uh, how would we make that work? It may take some additional resources, but let's see if we can make that work, right? No, absolutely. It is so important that those who struggle are leading, serving in callings. We need their gifts and talents and also that they um, are getting to serve. And so it's very important to keep those people on your list of callings and be prayerful Mm -hmm. about how they can help. Um, You know, every member needs a friend and a calling. Mm -hmm. And that's just as true with everyone. And so, uh, but you, you know, you can get creative with callings. We had a, um, we had a mother of some kids with special needs and she helped with the activities in young women. And, um, she was always thinking of these brilliant ideas and was really entertaining Mm -hmm. when, 
um, it was her time to present. And so often, you know, people have those unique gifts and talents, and those are exactly what we need. And we all need them. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love the idea that you mentioned with the, the Down syndrome individual that there's sort of these opportunities that you don't, they don't have to be the secretary of the elders quorum or the executive secretary, but what if you create an assistant secretary, you know, depending on their disability and, you know, that may be awesome opportunity. You know, you see this in high school teams, right? The, yeah. they make a, you know, the water boy or the team manager is, you know, someone with a disability and they feel so involved. They, they get a Jersey, you know, all these things that you make a space for them. And it's not like they're, you know, contributing a ton per se, you know, on paper, but nonetheless, they feel involved, people are helping them, and it's a great experience. No, for sure. And also, um, you know, if someone's maybe not in great health because they're a senior, yeah, you know, maybe they need to be called with the young people. Mm-hmm. Everyone has um, different strengths, and we want to go with those. So, you can brainstorm with the family, you can brainstorm with the individual, and you can brainstorm with the leaders and say, where are the needs? And try, try, try. Think out of the box. And you'll hit, you know, you'll be prayerful about it, and you will hit a good spot for everyone. Yeah. Um, I remember as a, growing up in my ward, we had a couple who, they, both of them were blind, and they both had uh a seeing eye dog. And so every growing up, there's always just two dogs in my sacrament meeting. And I remember, uh, I stepped on them a few times passing the sacrament and upset the dog. But, um, and, and I think the church has recently released some information about, uh, service animals. Um, anything that you would mention as far as service animals, cause this has been like, there's been a gray area a lot that someone will claim they have a service animal and they want to bring their little chihuahua to church, but there's maybe some more official service animals and not so official. So, so if a bishopric has a question about a service animal, what do they do? Well, the church just issued new guidelines. Okay. And, um, maybe we can put a link to that in the, yeah, um, we'll we'll do that and and call it good. So, yeah, yeah. um, yeah. anything else as far as adults with, with disabilities, um, and, and maybe there's a good, uh, segue into, I want to talk about, you know, elderly or seniors, with disabilities, because these are individuals who maybe went their whole life without a disability, and suddenly, you know, the, their knees go out, or they need a walker, or things like that. Any anything come to mind um, with that? Well, any kind of mobility issue, we're going to want to help, and mm-hmm. we're going to, um, you know, we'll brainstorm what kinds of activities are best. Um, maybe our ward should try and do a lot of stuff at the pavilion, or once we're inside. Uh, of a facility will stay inside and maybe not travel so much around the facility. Um, that's, you know, one of the things we do is try and make sure that our activities and services are uh, revolve around what everyone needs so everyone can feel included. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of the seniors, uh, a lot of this work, like the disability specialists can't do it all. So a lot mm-hmm. of the work is done supporting the ministering brothers and the ministering sisters who are already there on the ground, not necessarily getting called to be that person's ministering sister or brother, but you, you gain insights when you befriend people, when you visit them in their home. And uh, those insights are so valuable. They're little nuggets to how we can reach out to everyone. And yeah. so, um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be the disability specialist directly. Right. But Love it. You, but you hit it visible and invisible, um, it, maybe medical, maybe psychological. Um, everybody has uh, something different. And I want to encourage members to reach out to their disability specialist. Because if you don't have one, ask your bishop. Can we call someone? Ask your state president. Can we, so- can we call someone? Um, families are particularly great advocates to get someone called. If you get a couple of families, families know each other. Families that struggle know each other. And so they'll reach out to each other and they'll say, let's us three families go together to the bishop. Yeah. And that can be really influential. It's right in the bishop's handbook. There's a link to the job description and there's all kinds of training online and there's the support of our Facebook group. People can reach out to me directly if they would like. Um, maybe we can put my information in the link. Sure. And, um, but no, it's, uh, sometimes leaders don't catch the vision that quickly. Right. So there seems to be a process. 
We also have a video, a short three minute video that talks about the calling and that way the, maybe the leader or the corn president doesn't have to um, read a link, you know, it can be so laborious to read, but we have a three minute video that talks about the calling in a nutshell, but the idea of everyone catching the vision, you know, everyone knows someone and everyone struggles with something. So yeah. this calling is for everyone and it's for every ward and state throughout the world and someday there will be a disability specialist in every ward and stake and that would be a great thing i i agree for sure um you know you, you mentioned mobility issues and i remember when i was serving as bishop another bishop in the building uh that i was in was called and uh, he was a quadriplegic and so i remember they shut down the chapel for six weeks or something as they put in a lift so he could get on on the stand we were in a really old old building like 19 30s, you know, building. And, um, and I thought that was great. You know, we were all, we sat sacrament meeting in the cultural hall for a few weeks and as they put that in and then he was able to serve as a bishop that way. And so I would imagine if, if you recognize a mobility issue or, you know, especially how, you know, in Utah, there's a lot of old buildings, uh, that simply they didn't have ramps or things back then, uh, a call to, uh, the physical facilities, uh, could, could maybe start a conversation that would lead to solving the mobility issues as, as far as like entering the building or accessing, yeah. you know, we had an elevator as well. We had two floors in that, that building. Whatnot. So is that, is that a fair uh, resources? That's exactly right. And you know, there is a facilities manager for every building. And if you're confused about how to find it, um, you know, we'd be grateful to be able to help you mm -hmm. and get in touch with that person. And um, at headquarters, there's facility managers as well. And, uh, you know, things that benefit those that struggle benefit everyone. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe you're pulling carts of, you're, there's going to be an activity and you're pulling carts in. And it would be so much better to have a ramp. Uh, you know, it helps everyone. The things that help the, the one help the many. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but also planning activities and services around the needs of, you know, this work is specific. It's the one, it's the ward, it's the state. And every state and ward is different. Every family is different. Every individual is different. And so the idea is to find out what could be helpful um, to you. And then nine times out of 10, that's going to be helpful to others. Right, right. Um, I'm, and I'm curious where, like if somebody's listening, wants to know if their ward or stake has a disability specialist, is it, I'm, I'm just looking at my app, not to call my stake out here or anything, but, uh, when I go to the stake organization and I, I would assume it would be listed under other callings and yeah, then additional, other, other callings. and then, um, and then additional callings mm -hmm. and it should be there, right? So it should be there. And All right. So, my state president's getting a stern text from me after this. this <laughs> reach out with love. Reach out with oh, love. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. But that's where they would go uh, to see if they had a stake or ward uh, disability exactly. specialist, right? Exactly. Okay. And a lot of people post on our Facebook group and they say, I don't know if I have one. We tell them, talk to the bishop, talk to the state president. You can ask the leader specifically and that'll bring up the topic. Yep. And, um, but every, every ward and state needs one. They may not just know it yet. That's right. That's right. Um, I did want to touch lastly on just the support to families. I, I did an interview with a, a bishop. His name is Stan Beagley, and he has a, a, a son with uh, an adult son with uh, a severe autism that lives with them. And sometimes it was, I forget in what context, but sometimes his wife, you know, he's the bishop and his wife wants to go to church too. So every once in a while, depending on if it was a rough day for their son, uh, someone would come to their home so the wife could go to church or uh, sometimes they hadn't slept in four days because the, their son was just having struggle sleeping. And so they brought somebody in from the ward to just sit with in the home. And so that they, they, the parents could get some sleep. Is that the type of support that we should be aware of for, That's for families? Right? Type of support. Yes. Um, a lot of families don't come, you know, a lot of our families that are um, more intensely affected, that they don't come. They, they try to, as with my experience, they've tried to fit a square peg into a round hole. Mm -hmm. And so, um, no, we, the idea is to keep reaching out, keep trying to find individual needs. But I love the idea of the calling, of thinking out of the box, of someone to help with the family, maybe in home. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, your idea earlier of the one-on-ones, those have been really popular. 
in not even just in primary, but in young women. Yeah. And um, it, and we had a um, we had a young man in our state who was um, developmentally young men age, and so uh, they they talked about the situation, and they decided that that young man was going to stay. He's an adult. He's going to stay in young men. And so he did the activities with the young men. He went to um, their classes and it was a perfect match. And everyone loved having Rudy there and Rudy loved being in the young men. And so it was a perfect match. Now, maybe as he gets older, he might age out of that. And when, when he's ready for that, you're going to make another accommodation because these situations are always evolving. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, we also had a, an adult, um, woman in one of the wards that she was developmentally about six. Her name was Rosie. And so she got bored in Relief Society. Mm -hmm. She would wander the halls. And so everyone brainstormed, well, what might be a better solution for this? And she was called as an assistant primary teacher in the six-year-old class. And so, uh, but nobody had more fun than Rosie. She would participate during general primary. Um, she loved her classes and, uh, you know, she would help pass out stuff extra. And, um, sometimes they often ask Rosie, what do you think about this? She had unique insights. And so it was a leadership calling for her and it was a win-win. The kids loved being in Rosie's class and all the kids that were younger, we're counting down the days until they could be in Rosie's class. And oh, cool. also, nobody sang more boisterously than Rosie during the primary <laughs> president, uh, during the primary um, sacrament meeting. Uh -huh. And so she just sang and led the way. And um, so thinking outside the box, you're absolutely right. Thinking outside of the box. Um, and, and maybe we try a whole bunch of things. We brainstorm, we try a whole bunch of things and they don't work. Um, well, we can figure out another bunch of things. Every month, the ward disability specialists meet at my house, and we have a round table where we talk about what's going on in our wards, and I mm. talk about what's going on in the state. But a lot of the times, things that are happening in one ward are happening in other wards. Right. And um, I like to befriend other state disability specialists because um, a lot of times, things that are going on in my state are going on in other states. You know, we have so much more common than not, and but we sit at those meetings and we support each other. And then we also think of ideas for each other. And so if you're, if, if you and the leader and the family have um, come up with ideas and they didn't work, uh, the disability specialist can bring it to the round table. And then we also have the Facebook group. So um, you can ask people all around the world, what did you do about this? How can I do better here? Yeah. And so there's, there's um, as long as you're being prayerful about it, solutions will come and they are so rewarding. There's no better work. Love it. Anna, this is fantastic. Any other point, principle, concept you want to make sure we, we hit on before we wrap up? Well, I just wanted to, to say again, the calling's for everyone. Everyone knows someone or has um, themselves some sort of issue they're struggling with. And we want to help. And so please try and remember your disability specialist. And for those who are disability specialists, remember that we're all in this together. And that you don't have to have any specific insights. You don't have to have any specific education or work experience in order to serve. You just have to be willing to um, uh, just relish the opportunity to help people with their needs. Love it. Well, and the last question I have for you, as you reflect on your time as a stake disability specialist, how has being a leader in this role helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Well. Um, it has helped me in every way. You know, it's helped me to feel heard. It's helped me to feel inclusion. Um, it, it, it's, it couldn't be more rewarding getting to meet the families, meet the individuals, talk to the leaders. And in terms of myself, my prayers are so much more intense. I get to see and notice more blessings that come, more aha moments that people get. And a lot of times, by the time we get a situation, you know, it's desperate and a family is staying home or someone has quit their primary calling or they're thinking of um, 
on their last legs of trying to keep someone included. And um, so those are extra rewarding because we get to come in and um, you can just, you can feel it's the Savior's work. When you're prayerful about it and new things are revealed, there's nothing more exciting than, uh, you know, getting to befriend and uh, getting to get the Lord's help. Uh, but as I mentioned, most things can be solved relatively quickly and the solutions are fun and free. And discovering those is one of the best journeys of this calling. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, to watch the interview about scrupulosity, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 for free access to the Mentally Healthy Saints virtual library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.